Silence there, nothing more. Aha! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, May 21st, 2012. Oh, dude, it's like 5-21-12 today. Something crazy's gonna happen. No, it's probably not. This time for 10 dozen minutes with Jake and Mr. Skull, and I'm Mr. Skullhead, and Jake is uh, about to be on the line. Hello, Mr. Skullhead. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Have you been watching Dark Shadows? Is that why you greet me as though you were a vampire? Good evening. Now, I haven't watched any uh, Dark Shadows the series, and sure as fuck I'm not watching Dark Shadows the movie. Oh, yeah? No interest? I think my long love affair with Tim Burton is over. Yeah, it sucks. Poor guy. I saw, uh, when, uh, when we were in New York a few years ago, I saw a, an exhibit of Tim Burton's uh, stuff. It's like, things that he drew when he was a child. Ah. Little prototype sculptures of things. Huh. Uh, it was interesting. It was pretty good. It was like, oh yeah, this guy used to make stuff that was cool. And then, what the hell happened? I think we've had this conversation before, right? Like, yeah. were, were there people who were our age when Edward Scissorhands came out that were like, ah, oh, this is really dumb. I mean, there were. Like, my dad was one. I'm sure. Of them. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's objectively dumber, though. Yeah, I haven't seen Dark Shadows, but everything that I've seen of it makes me think that I don't want to see it. I think I did not realize until I listened to a This American Life, uh, where they had a section about it, uh, that Dark Shadows, when it ran in the 70s, was live. Yeah, yeah. I had I had no idea. My mom knew my mom mentioned it several years ago, like it was something that she knew about and watched when, when she was younger. That they that they have like errors and continuity and people flubbing lines and whatnot every now and again. Yeah, apparently. Uh the thing that I listened to led me to believe that it was live and also eight hours a day. Which <laughs> I thought I'm like, you know what? I don't believe you, Ira Glass. Um <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I understood that incorrectly. Um, but at the time, I spent a little while thinking about that, thinking, wow, that's fucking crazy. Like, I wonder if you could, you know, I mean, we could we could probably make a show that, that was eight hours a day about a bunch of guys who work for a video game company uh-huh. and make jokes about things and, you know, eat sandwiches, I guess. But I don't know. What do you do if you all have to go pee at the same time? Has that ever happened? Well, we used to always go to the bathroom together, remember? Well, yeah, but that was just because we wanted a sword fight. We wanted yeah. to cross the streams. Speaking of sword fights, there's a sword fight going on inside my body right now, Mr. Skullhead. Yeah. I, uh, I went to the doctor today, and then he gave me uh, a big old bottle of pills filled with them antibiotics uh, to, to, to fight off a tonsil infection. I have a tonsil infection, Mr. Skullhead. A tonsil infection? Did you get it from yeah. playing too much tonsil hockey? <laughs> I don't think so. I, uh, I, I, I'm having one of those days where I feel like this tonsil infection is uh, in, interfering with my inflection, my diction, my elocution. Hmm. Uh, but I don't know. That might just be in my head. It sucks, though. It's like my jaw and my neck hurt. Uh. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I mean, I do know what to do. Take the uh, take the uh, amoxicillin. Yeah. Wait for it to work its magic. Take and that. I said, uh, 
And I said to the pharmacist, can I drink with this? Because Phoenix Comic Con is coming up and I didn't want to not drink the whole time I'm like downtown and don't have to drive anywhere. And she said, oh, you can drink in moderation. And I was like, you've never met me, have you? Yeah. I didn't actually say that. Because I don't think it would have gone oh, over very well. I? Oh, can I? Yeah, I'm so, yeah. Hopefully, my stupid, ridiculous, weird, sore neck will go away. Yeah, that sucks, that's, man. That pain in the neck has been a real pain in the ass. That's a uh, really weird infection you got there. There's a bunch of pink eye going around uh, here, too, apparently. From, does one of your circle work at a daycare or a kindergarten? Because I think that's... Uh, that's one of them has a kid who got pink eye and got it from got it from her kid. Yeah. That's how that happens. I got pink eye a few times when I was a child. Did you like to play with poop and then rub your eyes? Yeah, I mean, I, I still do, right? So I yeah. think that was just... That was in my genes. Yeah, you should probably wash those. Rubbing poop in your eyes is not a choice, Mr. Skullhead. It's not <laughs> like obesity. It's not like homosexuality. I guess it's kind of like homosexuality. Yeah, that's a lot. No. Wait. Never mind. So, uh, what, what have you been up to, if not seeing dark shadows or getting pink eye or tonsillitis? I didn't go to any weddings this weekend. So that was nice. A, that was a first in a while. Um, didn't do much of anything this weekend, though. We've been, we started watching How I Met Your Mother. So Okay. In three or four days, have watched the entirety of the first season of that. Is that any good? It's funny, yeah. We, at first, I was a little off put by how broad it is. It's because like it's an old school sitcom with a laugh track and everything, but it is also really clever and funny. Like a lot of the situations and the the way that people react to things isn't doesn't have a lot of basis in reality, but it's always funny. And Neil Patrick Harris is a hoot. He's a hoot and a holler. I uh, I am drawing a blank. All I can think of is Jason Bateman, Jason Statham, Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> trying to get to Neil Patrick Harris? No, I'm trying to get to the the guy from Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Jason the Muppets. S- Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel. He's isn't he like one of the main characters in How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, he is. Okay. All right. So when I, when I was trying to think of the name of the Jason that was one of the main characters in How I Met Your Mother, you thought Neil Patrick Harris. Well, because I had just said Neil Patrick Harris, and I know frequently you, you can't place a name with a face when we're mm-hmm. talking about famous people, so I just thought you were trying to picture Neil Patrick Harris, and you were picturing Jason Bateman and Jason Sudeikis. No, I was just trying to think of a name uh, that, ended, that started with Jason and ended with the guy from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, and I love you, man. And Jeff, who lives at home, which is pretty good. Um, you know what? I realized I, uh, I I had a watershed moment the other day when I was watching a movie preview, and I saw a woman, and I said, "That's Charlize Theron." No way. I know, I, Mr. Scullett. I have finally turned the corner on the ability to recognize and know who Charlize Theron is. Now we Theron? just have to. We've got to get you Scarlett Johansson, and you'll be set. No, I know who Scarlett Johansson is. I knew, I knew, I had her name and her face together since since the first moment I laid eyes on Ghost World. Gotcha. Back when she was attractive because she was like 15. <laughs> I'm just kidding, she's still totally attractive. Did you ever see Avengers? Uh, no. Jesus. I, 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 saw, uh, I saw The Hunger Games. 
How's that now? Uh, you saw it, didn't you? Yeah, but what did you think? Um, yeah, you know, it was pretty good. I, I, I read the book, uh, you know, I read the book so that I could go see the movie while it was still in theaters because the lady friend wanted to. And, uh, so I, you know, I read the book and I was like, well, you know, this was pretty good. It was, eh. I don't feel that I was enriched by it, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I don't feel like I was in... You know what? I do feel like I was enriched by the Harry Potter series. Right. Uh, because that explored a lot of a lot of things that I felt like I could probably use in my work. Uh, whereas the Hunger Games didn't really. I... The movie, to me, made the world a little less believable. And... The, the reason that I think that is is I'm not sure a thing that makes a lot of sense... But, like, I couldn't really tell from reading the book whether this was uh, the future of our world or a sort of alternate history of our world. Right? I mean, it's, like, clear that the entirety of the U.S. was settled. And... But but the tech was not, like, insane. Right. You know? Like, they never described any technology in the book that was totally unexplainable with what we have now except uh, for maybe like really effective medicine and genetic engineering genetic engineering with the like monster shit at the end the tracker jackers and the the mocking jays and the yeah okay okay well what struck me about what struck me about the movie man i am i i'm kind of glad for the things that they omitted huh. You know, like, there were just a few things... Like, the, I thought that the monsters at the end of the book were pretty stupid. So did I. Like, I get I get why they, you know, like, they're needed to... I mean, in a lot of ways, that story tripped over itself trying to make the main character not, like, just a cold-blooded murderer. Right. You know, I mean, she needed to win, so she needed to kill some dudes... But, like, there were just a lot of, like, really indirect ways for that to happen and ways where it was like, oh, well, sorry, this was just a split-second snap judgment where this guy was obviously evil, and, you know, and it's and it's just kind of whitewashed. Uh, but what, what struck me watching the movie is, so if they in that control room can, can like, you know, really quickly whip up a new kind of animal and then sweep their fingers and tap on a map and have it just a bunch of these monsters just materialize out of thin air. Uh-huh. Like, why the fuck do they need coal? <laughs> Is my question. You know, and it, it's like, I can imagine there being a world where... Uh, it's like, okay, well, it's we can just make anything appear out of thin air, but it is still really important that people grow some wheat for us down in the poor districts. I mean, maybe it's just to give them something to do, to keep the man, you know, to keep them down, to be the man and keep them down. But it's like, yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe the rest of the series, I mean, I'm assuming that the rest of the series is just some sort of like crazy revolt against the capital that's led by all of the people in the districts. Or maybe I'm totally wrong about that, but that's the only place that I can imagine the story going. And it was certainly foreshadowed in the movie in a way that it wasn't in the book. Right. I mean, I guess only because she couldn't have known about those riots. Yeah. 
I thought it was it took something away that they immediately start rioting after Prue dies. Because in the book it's more they watch Prue die and then she learns later like one guy stood up and said something and got shot and then later one gets shot in front of her when she's on her tour. But the idea that there could just immediately be that kind of riot means the capital doesn't have enough control as he's supposed to. Mm. Um, I mean, it was, you know, the stuff that they did in the movie introducing the character of the president, which I don't really remember. I don't remember how he figured into the book. Like, did he appear on a screen at some point in the first book? Like, I don't know. Anyway, I, I you know, I it was... It was not a bad movie. There were no lines in it that I thought were really stupid, which is uh-huh. usually what makes me think a movie is bad. You I, know? Didn't, I, mean, I didn't like uh, Gale at all. Yeah, but he was so ancillary. But he has, like, he needs to do one thing right, which is show up for the hunting trip and go, good morning, catnip, and hang out. And instead he walks up and goes, good morning, catnip. And then is a a total dick ball. (laughs) Like, no. You need to be a little bit darker and more mysterious and not... I mean, every once in a while he emotes at the camera when he's he's watching uh, the events unfold in the arena. I also thought it was strange that they... Like, in the movie, they depicted the arena as being a thing that was enclosed with a visible boundary... Uh, which is the, not how I imagined it. It is in the book, but I mean, it's enclosed by an, invi- an invisible boundary. Yeah. But that's the, the thing. Like We never see what's outside of the arena or what's at the edge of the arena in the book because we're in her head. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. I, you know, I, somebody was asking, I don't even remember where this was, uh, but somebody was asking, like, did I feel like it was a good idea to read the book before seeing the movie or was I just setting myself up to be disappointed by, you know, a movie that's invariably worse than the book? And my, my, we talked about this on advice hot dog a little bit, which nobody's heard yet. Uh, but I, I prefer not to have the characters in my head when I'm reading a book look like actors, uh-huh. you know, because there's a part of me that is just never going to stop like, when I'm watching a movie with Tom Cruise in it, that's fucking Tom Cruise, right? Like, it, it, it's not the character that Tom Cruise is playing as much as it's Tom Cruise. And it's every character Tom Cruise has ever played. Um, and, and so I don't, want, I don't want that influence when I'm reading a book. But in this case, I had seen the fucking previews bef- before uh-huh. I saw. So, I mean, there was no way to not know what the main character looked like, at least. But... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I will read the rest of the books really only because it won't take very long. Right. And they're you good. Know, n- not because I just some... got to know what's happening. I think that they're worth reading. I think she manages to elevate her uh, subject matter. But that, like, the movie was okay. You know, I think reading the book right before you see the movie is a mistake. Oh, yeah. Because I did that with Scott Pilgrim and was so distracted by the differences in it that I didn't super enjoy it the first time. And then after I watched it a couple times, like, oh, yeah, this was pretty damn good. Same thing with the Watchmen movie, honestly. Like, we watched that again recently. And not having just read Watchmen, I wasn't going, well, they fucked this up and this up and this up. And just like, you know what? That was surprisingly decent. 
That sex yeah, scene I, was just in like both that. of those cases. I also read. I mean, you know, those were things where I knew that I was supposed to read The Watchmen, but it was a chore. Uh-huh. You know, because I just I kept trying and kept failing to get into it because the art style bothered me so much. Huh, really? We've had, yeah, we've had this conversation yeah. before. I look at that and I think, ah, it's fucking Mary Worth. Skip that. Hmm. Right, just like that. That sort of old school comic style, and and you know, I mean, I get. I get now that in the case of The Watchmen that that was kind of an affectation. Right. Uh, and, you know, I fucking love The Watchmen. I really, really enjoyed that comic, and I'm really glad that people made me read it. But mostly what made me read it was, well, the movie's coming out, and I want to see the movie, so I need to read this. And I probably finished reading it the day before I saw the movie. And that's more or less the case with Scott Pilgrim. It was interesting to me... I mean, there's there's a couple different levels on which I can enjoy a movie. And... The, the level of like looking at it from the perspective of an experience that has been crafted for me according to some some rules that I can sort of learn about, uh-huh. you know, that shed some light on the process. That was that was well served by me having finished the book like the morning that we then went to see the <laughs> the movie because I'm like, oh, OK. So that like I, I was just very acutely aware of all of the stuff that they left out. Yeah. You know, and there were just like. There were just sections of it where it's like, ah, well, okay, now I know where she's supposed to go, but she's not. They're moving on to this next thing because this next thing is just a better movie scene. Yeah. Right? And it it did feel... I don't know that if I had seen the movie that I would have felt like... Uh, um, uh, I can neither think of the character nor the actor's name. Um, the announcer guy. Oh, it's um, Stanley Tucci? Yeah, Stanley Tucci, who played Cecil Fizzlebottom. Yeah, whatever. Flickerman, uh, somebody Flickerman, Caesar Flickerman. Sure. Uh, explaining what the Tracker Jackers were, for instance, right? Like, times when the book would just go on a little aside to tell you something that the main character knew. I mean, yeah. yeah. I thought that that I don't was know a, that a they needed that because. In the book, the, no, no, no. I, I, it bugged me a little bit because uh, exposition always bothers me when I recognize it uh-huh. as exposition. Um, and that's why I mean, like, that's why, like, fucking, I didn't like uh, the Firefly movie, Serenity. Man, the, I think all of my brain power is is being devoted to directing little antibiotic soldiers at the pain nodules in my throat uh, yeah, I'm having a hard time getting any words getting I, any words up, out, out of I this like morass I like to picture the, the antibiotics as a little army of um, kind of salamander looking newts, so they're kind of like amoxicillin axolotls ooh, see I think of them as, as little mushroom guys with actual knives, yeah those are the ones you gotta watch out for um the Serenity, the expository parts of that just drove me nuts. River, my sister. She's my sister. The government wants her for something. That really didn't happen as much as you think it did. Yeah, I know. And it, it, was, probably, but, it was really, I mean, that's the thing. really smoothly enfolded in there. It bothered me so much. It bothered me... I think the reason that it bothers me is the same reason that, like, whenever... Whenever we have to like change the way that some 
thing works in KOL because of the way that the rules restrict us. It's like, ah, God damn it. That's just not, that is not the way that we wanted it in our, in our hearts of hearts. This having to put an extra step in here because the code requires you to like push a button to initiate this thing is not how we would do this if we didn't have to. And that's the thing that bothers me about exposition in the plots of movies. Like, all right, so we basically have to do this thing that we have to figure out a way to shoehorn in some information that this person in this situation would probably never say because Except this character is not yeah. this character is not saying something to the person he's talking to. He's saying something to the audience. But I thought in Firefly they frequently did both. Like when Simon goes to get River in that beginning when you're not sure what's going on, she's completely out of it and he goes river it's simon she's still out of it simon your brother and then she snaps too simon your brother i'm a doctor i've been working on this spaceship for a while with this guy named mal yeah, none of that he's happened. a real rough and tumble sort none morally of, ambiguous none of that happened yeah i know none that's of that. what i would have done see i would have just lampshaded it i would i would have yeah. embraced it although in hunger games like the way that they did that made the arena reality show thing make more sense yeah so i thought that that was a a pretty deft way to do that if it had to be done and i was glad that they got rid of the beasts at the end looking like the tributes and it's still the stupidest part of the book but it's less stupid that way oh yeah 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 agreed i uh you know there are some there are some rock stupid monsters in in uh, number three too Okay. Which is a shame. It's just like, I, w- I will go with you for the, the Jabber Jays and the Mocking Jays and the Tracker Jackers. I can go with that, but just like straight up monsters, it's it's stupid. Why You know, like they sent these horrible lizard men to kill us. Like we could have just sent like some dudes yeah. with some guns. And the fact that they're called mutations bothers me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is that just supposed to be... Like, that's not what the people in the capital call them, is it? It is. Is it? Yep, they're called mutations. Wait, because they're like... They're like a hybrid of a genetically engineered thing and a natural thing? I think it's just because the language is devolving. Because I just I just read that as the, the yokels in the districts not knowing... Like, having only heard the word... And then, you know, hmm. what do you what do you like like a uh, like that read to me as a malapropism in the fiction? Oh, huh. I just thought yeah. it was that I don't know the like the technology is still there, but the terminology has been kind of degraded. Yeah, I mean, it makes you. It's weird. So I feel like th- there are there are <laughs> a lot of ways to feel about books making up a lot of words. Uh-huh. You know, because I feel like D- Dune did it so powerfully and so well. You can that, do it when none of the words are real dumb sounding. I think. Yeah, I think like Stephen King gets about eighty percent on, uh-huh. and twenty percent thinny, and and uh, Thank you, I don't Sai. know what else. Thank you, Sai. Uh, I like Thank You, Sai. All right. Uh, yeah, you know, 
Uh, but it's like, uh, you know, thinking about, like, you know, his treatment of that, like, they, they refer to mutants as muties, which is just like a slang term, and, you know, the threaded stock as the, like, sort of non, non-mutated offspring of... Because of, it's like the same kind of story, right? It's like warfare having fucked up and then had some time to sort of reposition itself in the bios in the biosphere yeah. in the bio in the biodome uh you know uh it's watership down it's pretty good about that i've never read watership down ah oh, you should it's good huh it is uh it's it's real sad it's it's like kind of a depressing commentary on the world <laughs> excellent you know, it's a perfect perfect thing for little kids it, that very much did not read like a kid's book to me. I mean, it's it's way too long to be a kid's book, and I don't I don't know that it was ever really intended for children. Like it's just a story about rabbits. Or so. I don't know. Though. Anyway, that that is I, I'm actually surprised that you haven't read that. I, I would definitely recommend it. The Harry Potter books. Most of the words that they made up in those were very silly. Yeah, I but, think it, the, the but it was but it was okay yeah. because I mean at least from the beginning they she established a a sort of veneer of whimsy that started to seem weird relative to what was going on at the core of the story later, uh-huh. just because it got a lot more serious and dark. It's like, come, Harry, let's have some fuzzy wubblies. If your balls haven't been cut off by Voldemort yet. Oh, is it too bright in here? I'll just take out my put outer. It's like a lighter in reverse. Um, every time I go back and read the first one again, I'm just I'm just sort of knocked over by how dumb it is. <laughs> and and like it, it's weird that it, it and it kind of makes me like it's a weird thing, right? Because I I would not have read that book and thought. Give this woman some more fucking money so she can write some more of these. You know, I was like, oh, okay, that was cute. Right. Like, I. It is. It is so strange to me that it. It almost feels like the promise of the third book, which I feel like was just sort of the crowning achievement of that series, was so not evident to anyone, the public or the publishers, based on what was going on in the first book that it was just like this sort of amazing accident that it was even allowed to exist. That it caught on the way that it did? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm assuming that, that was, was the second book written before the first one went apeshit? I don't know. She I don't still, really, I don't really she remember. She still claims that she had all seven books mapped out. But if that, I feel like if that were true, the fifth and the sixth book wouldn't have felt like they were almost entirely filler. Yeah, there was a lot of wheels. So, I mean, maybe maybe the map was just like now spin your wheels for a thousand miles. Here be driving. And I also I also find it really hard to believe that you would set out with the goal in mind of writing a series of seven books, each of which was three times as long as the previous one. Right. You know, I mean that just uh, that that feels like a thing that yeah, I mean you know George Lucas still insists that Star Wars was always supposed to be nine movies oh wait did i say nine i meant six yeah and he insists that he had the first three all mapped out which it's pretty obvious in the first two movies that he didn't know that luke and leia were related yeah which is fine just admit it 
like we did this movie and we wanted it to seem like the old serial movies that I liked as a kid and so we made it like like it was in the middle of the action already and then we just made up two more movies worth of story like that that would be fine yeah because it was really good you know it's like the fact that you didn't know what was going on when you wrote the when you wrote the first one doesn't mean that the second one was was bad right because the second one stands on its own as demonstrably awesome and I really like the third one I know some people disagree with me those people are provably wrong but the the reason that the middle one was so great was that somebody else wrote the script and somebody else directed it. Well, sure. And, I mean, I, I maintain that a lot of the reason that it was able to be so good is because it didn't have to have an ending. Right. <clears throat> but, I mean, the first one was pretty good and it had an ending. You know, which was really wrapped up pretty neatly. Yeah. You know, I guess they never said, like, oh, this is our only ultimate weapon. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd, uh, making up words. A lot of people complain about Anathem. Uh, I have yet to read Anathem. I bought it. Anathem. That's another one of those books by Neil Patrick Harris, right? Uh, yes, by Neil Diamond. <laughs> Neil Diamond Age. Stevenson, Lake, and Palmer. Stevenson, Lake, and Palmer. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Um, what else? What else have we got? What else have we done? What else are we doing? I've been re- I've been watching a lot of Breaking Bad. Uh, I gotta get into that. Yeah. Right now, it's How I Met Your Mother, uh, Doctor Who. Slowly, I enjoy it, but Jess isn't that into it, so. It's only like, okay, we'll watch a couple episodes of How I Met Your Mother, and then I'll watch a Doctor Who while you fall asleep kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And then Game of Thrones, we've seen the first three or four of them, and Christ, is that good. Yeah? Yeah, super good. Really incredibly dark, but super good. It's, uh, yeah, I guess, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why I don't think that I will like it. Because, I'm like, you know... Rome was really good. Like, Rome was one of my favorite pieces of television ever. And so I, I trust their ability to tell a story, even if I don't feel like it has enough sword, swords and fire dragons and shit in it. And this one has more than Rome did. Yeah. By a lot. I would assume that this has literally at least one more dragon than Rome with his zero dragons had. Yeah. Carnival have any dragons? I don't know. I never watched the I never watched Carnival all the way to the end. I think we finished <laughs> the first season and never got the second one. Mm. Oh boy. I uh Breaking Bad is pretty good. I having gotten that Roku, I have watched like a couple episodes of Breaking Bad a day since I started watching it. Just having a thing where I can actually watch Netflix streaming on a television just for whatever reason, just made it into a thing that I will actually do. Sure, yeah. As opposed to having to like sit at my computer or hold a thing yeah. that I'm watching it on. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Guy guy gets sick and then uh, becomes a meth kingpin. Yeah. That's what that's about. 
So it's like weeds, but uh, not as funny and with fewer. Yeah, days. it's like violence. It's you know there are some there are definitely some funny parts, but it's violent instead of sexy. Yeah, uh, I'll go for titties instead of gore any day. Yeah, the first the first like handful of episodes were a lot gorier than the rest of the episodes. Game of Thrones will hook you up with the titties and gore in abundance. Yeah. At the same time. And not at the same time, but in close proximity. I think Saturday Night Live did a sketch about the creative process of the show and how the two script supervisors are are George R. R. Martin and a fourteen year old boy. Mm-hmm. And that th- that's fairly accurate. It's like, hey, how do we juice up this scene where we're introducing this character? I know, have a couple of people doing it doggy style right behind him for no particular reason. Huh. Well, that's good. It's fun. I guess they're allowed to. They're allowed to do that. Uh, they're allowed to do that nudity thing because it's pay TV. I mean, pirate TV. Yeah. I don't know. I don't um. Know. Well, do you want to start answering questions early in the show? Sure. Maybe. Sure. Or do you have anything else to talk about? I think we're good. Whoa. What do we got? Uh, Wax says, How do you feel that Asymmetric has developed as a company? Are you happy with how everything's turned out so far with KOL? What originally made you decide to start up a company and develop a game? Can you tell us more about the people who work at slash for Asymmetric? What's in a standard day for you guys? Jesus. Uh, Well, okay, so the decision to start up a company and develop a game was not really how it happened. Uh, A game was there and then started making money and then the accountant was like, have you considered forming a corporation? And I was like, yeah, I tried, uh, but they never returned my phone calls. And she was like, well, did you tick this box that says return my phone calls and slip $70 into it? And I said, no. She's like, all right, I got your back, buddy. Wow. And she made that happen. Um, I mean, I feel like it's, I, I don't have any regrets, I guess, about the way that it's developed as a company. Yeah, you know, we, we've we been doing fine with KOL for a long time, decided to branch out into another project, and that has been rough right. uh, and has cost definitely more than I expected it to and almost certainly more than it should have. Um, but, you know, one of, the, one of the side effects of having accidentally started a business around a product that was already successful is having suddenly become responsible for running a business with zero training or acumen. Right. Um, so that's that's hard. But I just, you know, I let my conscience be my guide. And usually that works out okay. But then I get mad when people pirate stuff. <laughs> and then I think I call our player base thieves and dirty, dirty jerks. And reprehensible. Yep. Uh, what is in a standard day for you guys? You know what's in a standard day for me lately, Mr. Skullhead? And this is driving me fucking crazy, is not be able to go to sleep until like 4 and then get up at like 11 or 11.30. And I know that that's not too much sleep, and I know that it's not really interfering with my ability to get work done, but it is driving me fucking crazy. Yeah. It just, I, get, I get crazy if I can't get myself to get up early consistently I just I feel like such a failure that is wild if, that that's such a complete reversal from how you were even like two or three years ago I feel like well not two or three years ago like I it it always it always bugged me and I think I first started really noticing this one I, 
I never really had anything that I cared a lot about before KOL. And so how I operate as, as a person who's driven to actually accomplish something has been revealed to me over the course of this endeavor. Yeah. You know, because jobs were always like, fuck this job kind of jobs. I mean, it was like, I don't, yeah, you know, I never felt like I was getting paid enough to really give all that I was capable of giving. And the, the, the experiences that I had with just fucked up bosses, you know, both taking advantage of me and or like just squandering the, the promise that I brought to the table. Right. In, in very demonstrable ways. I mean, I think in, in a lot of ways, me feeling this way in previous jobs was kind of a persecution complex. But the first job that I was really like, oh, man, I should do a good job here and really started like getting the customers to like the company and stuff and then had it just like the whole thing collapsed because the owner was such a fuck up. Right. You know, and like went to jail for mismanaging the business. Right. Like it wasn't it, it wasn't like I was imagining that he that it was his fault. Right. And that, that just kind of poisoned me against against working on stuff very hard. And uh, it, but when I first when I was first living, this is kind of what made me decide to buy the the house that is the office in the first place was when I was living and working in the same space and didn't have a set schedule. And I just got to the point where I was like, I would get up at 6 p.m. and work until, you know. What would invariably happen is I would get up at 6 p.m., I would work until midnight, and then realize, ah, fuck, if I want to eat and drink at a bar, I have to go now. Right. Uh, so I would do that, and then come back and work. At, and we, you know, I got a lot of stuff done during those drunken late nights. And that was when a lot of, you know, a lot of people's happiest memories of KOL were being forged. But, like, I just felt... I felt like a failure. Like waking up late makes me feel like a failure. No matter how, no matter how much I can look at my life and think, look, buddy, you're not a failure. Like, check this out. Like, this is like the opposite of failure. The shit that's going on with you right now. What, why do you feel this way? But like when I came back from, like when we, when we did that trip to England, when I came back from there and I was like starting to shoot awake at six in the morning and I would get up and be like, you know what? This is fucking great. Like, I feel pretty good about myself. When I get in here and I get time to work uninterrupted, you know, it's not even like the interruptions are that big of a deal, but it's just, it's, there's something about it. There's something about being in there before everybody else, having the space to myself that just makes me want to get some shit done. Mm. You know? And, and I just, I kind of lose that if I roll in at noon. Yeah, and, I, I hear you. Yeah, so I don't know. I, uh, it's also been weird just because, like, being being sick in the way that I'm sick makes it hard for me to sleep. Like when I if I have a sore throat and my nose is clogged up, it's just like super difficult for me to get comfortable enough to go to sleep. Mm. And so that's been especially rough for the last ten days or so. But uh, I don't know. Got a bunch of stuff done today. Uh, Wind says. So when do we get to the challenge path of the sixth element, where you have to unlock five elemental keys and then recognize the sixth one to save the kingdom, create a third moon, and get to make out with the cute cyclops? Okay, that question is only a little serious, but more seriously, when do we get more elemental zones, especially for elements that are less prevalent? I always like that idea. Cute is a joke, guys. Come on. (laughs) Everybody keeps wanting. Oh, you should do more of that. In the same way that uh, more things need to do raffle damage. 
It's like, yeah, I would even maybe go so far as to say the fewer things need to do raffle damage. Maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think about that sometimes. We, we've had a real, uh, had a real hard on for the undead lately. Right. So there's a lot of spooky Why stuff. Why say lately? Uh, Rigor mortis uh, has always made me hard. That, yeah, well, sure. Rigor mortis. I don't know. There's hot. That's kind of underrepresented. All the demons and stuff are hot. There's cold. Kind of just got large, huge, right? And yeah, sleazy. You got the frat boys. Stench. You got the hippies. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more to work with in spooky, right? Because there are more things that are scary than there are things that smell bad. <laughs> It you depends. Know, if you find things that smell bad, scary. Sure. With with sleaze, it's like we can only go like, ah, oh, look at that gross burrito, or or uh, check out. Oh man, carpet. we're gonna nudge up against some dick joke. Yeah, you know. And I mean, there are a lot of those. You know, I guess fire is pretty uh, pretty underrepresented. There's a lot of things you can set on fire. Yeah. We can have a, an entire zone that's just all of the monsters in the kingdom doused in kerosene and set on fire. Oh, yeah, like they're in protest of not freeing <laughs> Tibet. The sincerest form of flattery zone where everyone is emulating. Yeah. Uh, M. Steeler says, a question about the new path. Was it intended in the morgue if you can only leave you don't have the proper item for it that it still takes an adventure uh no and i fixed that after seeing this post on friday uh edit are we supposed to be getting karma for finishing bugbear invasions uh and such is that level 13 yeah that also is a thing i forgot about that got added uh this week so yeah uh the dog delusion says you guys are awesome and you should feel awesome question there is a distinct dearth of familiars follow or filling the volley fairy niche that's hard to say familiars filling the volley fairy niche <laughs> That seems like some kind of tagline at the bottom of a business card. Or on the, I thought you were going to say on the back of a porn DVD. Familiars filling the volley fairy niche. Oh, man. Filling it all the way. Uh, I think the xenomorph counts, but I can't think of uh, the few others that there are, assuming that there are others. Is this an intentional decision? Is it because there's simply so many other ideas for familiar mechanics that every time you create a new one? Or is the Volley Fairy simply a combination doomed to the annals of history? Other combinations also seem similarly doomed to never see the light of day, such as an HP MP restorer combined with a volleyball. What say you, sirs? I mean, you know, a full-weight Volley Fairy was a thing that we believed for a really long time to be too powerful to have in a single familiar. And I, I think that we've learned over time, and, and maybe not we've learned, but we have slowly changed the game into a thing where that is not the case anymore, but we still don't really think of it um, because it's, it's been off limits for so long. The, the ones that existed always had some kind of drawback. Yeah, uh, like the shaman taking your MP, that kind of thing? Yeah. And uh, the uh, you know the the well, the wizard action figure we did a real shitty job of doing it with the wizard action figure, uh, which I think that's I might be misremembering what that was, uh, but it's like what, some of the functionality only worked if you had the gear and the gear eroded over time, um, which was a little weird. 
But yeah, I don't I don't think it's a thing that we're like afraid of anymore. So uh, you know, who knows? Filoni says uh, something about My Little Pony. Okay, you still watching My Little Pony? Yeah, I've watched a couple, five episodes maybe. It's pleasant, frequently Good. funny. I mean, but, you're jerking off to it, right? Of course. I don't understand the the like. I didn't watch the first couple and go, "Oh my god, I have to watch all of this," and I need my own pony avatar and I need to draw some of these characters with genitals on them. But uh, yeah, I watched it and went, "Yeah, that was pretty funny." And there are people I know who watch it, so we can talk about it if I watch it. So yeah, it's all right. I'll watch it. Is this a thing that's like on TV now, or do you watch it on the internet? Or yeah, it's on it finally got into netflix that's why i started watching it i see uh zoopers uh, has got a suggestion for a sort of team-based pvp where people did some stuff based on what class they were and that sort of thing and it's like yeah it's probably one of those things that is a cool idea but too complicated for us to ever actually get around to uh, Lightwolf says, forgot to mention this last show, but thanks for yet again creating another path that mitigates the Naughty Sorceress Tower, or in this case, obliterates it completely into tiny dust moat-like pieces. Obligatory what have you done for me lately request. Star the first. Link to the spaceship on the top window pane. Uh, I did that today for everything except the iconic top menu, because I couldn't figure out how to do it on the iconic top menu, and I don't know if C.D. Moyer added it or not. I suppose I could check. Uh, looks as though he did not, but, but I think he looked into it and told me how to do it. Uh, uh, asterisk the second. Can't get to the sea after breaking prism in a bugbear invasion run because you never make the scuba gear from the naughty sorceress layer. Change slash modify the flag that unlocks the sea zone to something else. Uh, yes, that is a thing that I do need to do. Um, we had a plan... That unlock is really clumsy, and it's really clumsy for kind of a dumb reason. And I'm pretty sure that we came up with a plan for dealing with that that will both allow us to get rid of that part of the Sorcerer's Tower if we need to and to deal with it in the case of a path where we don't have it. Um, And I think that it was a fairly straightforward thing. And I think that it's a thing that I might be able to do kind of soon. So we'll see. Lost key, asterisk the third. What does will it do? Well, that is all up to your good friend, Mr. Skullhead, as I have assigned him today the work that I should have assigned when we rolled the item of the month. We just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I think for a while it was, well, Riff should write this because Riff is really good at puzzles. And then, wait, Riff hasn't seen the reference material. So Riff, you should watch that and then do it. And then I think it took you another week to go, or Skully could just do it. And it won't be quite as puzzly, but it will be what we want it to be. No, that might have all happened over the course of a single phone call. Give me some credit, <laughs> Mr. Skullhead. Uh, yeah, and then somebody says, uh, where I tabbed over to lost it. The gap in the plot says, could you please fix Crack Rocks so that it's playable again? And then, uh, yeah, thanks to the uh, thanks to the efforts of KOL player Da Did Da Dot It. Um. Which, go ahead and uh, just type that in. Send him a thanks via K-mail. That's da-da-da-da-da-it. <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, he downloaded Crack Rocks, fixed all the things that were wrong with it. Uh, a lot of which were just dumb. A lot of which were, like, things being capitalized because they weren't case-sensitive on the server that it was originally running on or something. 
uh, some things that accidentally got commented out because they were on the same line as other things. Right. Uh, but yeah, I fixed it, and it is uh, now playable again. I got rid of the high score submission thing because I couldn't remember <laughs> how it worked, and also it was totally untrustworthy, and I don't feel like really added much uh, to the game. So uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I still don't think you can beat the game, but uh, it's playable. Crack Rocks. K-R-A-K-R-O-X dot asymmetric dot net. If you want to see a game that I made before I knew anything about making a game. <sighs> Draco Krakona says, I am a show or so behind, so my apologies if this has been asked before. Well, word realms accept both English and American English spellings. I like my extraneous U's. What about other languages? Also, woohoo, word realms. Now to see what happens with regard to income, et cetera, to see how much I can give. Uh, I don't know if our dictionary contains, like, armor or color or not. Yeah. Uh, I get, you know what? I could check. I can go into these, uh, these things. C-O-L-O-U-R. Uh, yes, color, colored, colorer, colorers, coloring, colors are all in there with use. What about armour? Yep, armour with use in there. Looks like British spellings are A-O-K. Other languages, no, because they're not cool. Oh, we don't know how to talk any of them. I guess, uh, like, we could do Spanish, but then we'd have to deal with the um, accents. Yeah, we'd have to add new letter tiles that were... That must be weird. What is, like, a Spanish... Like, Spanish language Scrabble must have to have, like... Yeah, it has tildes and accents does it have more letters or is it just a different distribution of letters and do they do they base it on like meaningful f- frequency data from s- spanish text corpuses Corp- yeah, you gotta so, imagine corpi i just wonder i wonder how much effort went into balancing scrabble to begin with and, or to what extent it was just like oh this uh, we just happened to get this right Wow, the wiki page for Scrabble has all of the tile distributions and all of the languages that it's available. There's apparently a Latin Scrabble. Like for Latin Americans? For Latin lovers? Right. It only Uh, has tiles to let you spell. I see. This says that the stress accents are disregarded. So you don't don't have to do accents. So like Ole is just O-L-E. Yeah. Okay. But it does have a double L tile, a tilde tile, and a double R tile. Huh, double R. I, did, I guess I didn't realize that double R was a different letter in Spanish. If I think way, way back, there's a distant glimmer of a spark there that, oh yeah, it's R and R are the two, the two R's. Mm. Yeah, boy, I don't remember that at all. Reverend Noodleyson says, Dear Jick and the rest, on last Thursday's show, you lamented your hate slash disappointment with the state of the gameplay discussion forum. Why not ban people for making bad posts? If you hate it so much, you should be able to find plenty of bad posters. You can't make it much worse, can you? Uh, yeah, because uh, I hate censorship more than I hate dicks. Yeah, I think anytime we start to go, we should ban this guy because he's annoying, it's, yeah, but are we banning him because he's just annoying us? And isn't it okay if somebody annoys us? Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, especially now that there is forum ignore. Yeah, seems that we can. That's it's easier to do. Although I still don't have anybody on forum ignore. I I just I've always felt like it was. I don't know why. I don't think that this is actually important. 
but I have always felt like I had a sort of a duty to not have anybody ignored. Mm-hmm. Like both to like provide an example of how it's possible to, to, to live that way, even in a high profile position in, in this context. And also because I don't want to not be able to see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, CD Moyer talked about like having people on forum ignore, but then every fucking time clicking on their posts because <laughs> The forum ignore just says, oh, there's a post by this person that you have ignored. Like, and I, I think that would saying. just make me, Is it about that me? Would make me angrier. And, you know, some of the time, people making posts that piss us off do have a point. So it's, yeah. it's beneficial to see stuff, even if it's stuff that makes us die a little inside. The the larger the larger issue I think with the level of discourse, as I see it, is uh, there are there are a lot of very good points being made in just extremely abrasive and thoughtless ways, mm. and there's just there's nothing for it because the people doing it don't believe that they are doing anything bad, right. And they, you know, they believe that being, they believe that bleeding due to their abrasion is the bleeder's fault. Right. And, and, and it's, I don't know. And I, you know, I, I don't help. I just go in and like, I don't say a whole lot in there, but when I do, it's always to just throw some gas on a fire. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun. I I just I don't know. It's it is it is still better than than other stuff, but it's like lately the threads about it's like there was that period of time right after NS13 when nobody could talk about anything without it coming back around to somebody's pet peeve issue that it's like, "Oh, well, this is also shitty because of some other thing that is tangentially related to it." Yeah. And it feels like that now, although I don't actually know what the beef is. Hmm. It just seems like by the second page. I mean, I think Hot Stuff might have the right idea, which is he just stops reading threads after they get past a page or two long. Because they invariably devolve into just arguing about arguing or whatever. I mean, it's not invariable. And often there are things in there that are little, little, you know, glimmers. gold in the sewer. Yeah, but it's, it's I just don't know. I was I was a little harsh on the Thursday show and I felt kind of guilty about it because there's a lot of stuff to like in the forums. I just I I wish that I wish that people would and this is true in general. I like I kind of wish that we could get past ironic detachment and just try to be nice to each other. Hmm. That just shows a little that bit. We're, we're getting old. We're we've aged past irony. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But I mean, it it seems like there is more of it in in the culture at large than there used to be, right? Or I mean, were were the guys our age in the seventies also like? on some level sort of like embarrassed to admit that they had real feelings 
or that they enjoyed that they they found something uplifting hmm. you know was it was it always the case that you would just get called a faggot for saying that you know this this song made you feel like a rising in your chest i mean like hmm. is it us aging past it or is i mean is there is there starting to be a broader cultural backlash against obstinate failure to experience joy i hope so i hope so too i mean it's there was a there was an article that was how the avengers kind of destroyed irony because it is just there's not a single moment where the characters kind of stand apart from the story or you sense a distance between like the writers and the story and it's just full of joyful moments and kind of unapologetically so Mm -hmm. so that uh, like there hasn't really been even a huge Avengers backlash even how successful it is it's like huh that's uh, I mean it's nice to see people doing that instead of just seizing on the one thing they thought was dumb about it and then every website is oh my god Christian Bale's Batman voice sucks that movie was terrible I'm, uh, Batman isn't I mean I've that assumed movie. that that is there and I just haven't seen it because I don't go looking for it because I mean like Diablo 3 is pretty fucking awesome and the internet is just f- absolutely full of people shitting on it <laughs> because of the same axes that they were grinding a year ago when Blizzard announced their plans for various things and you know, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe there is a difference. I mean, like, I, I don't know, I don't know that I would see it. I don't see people grinding that particular axe with Batman. I mean, every once in a while, I see somebody making fun of raspy voice. Yeah, see, that was everywhere for a little bit. Hmm. And when Inception came out, there was the like immediate. This is so totally lame, and everybody thinks it's good because it's not perfect. Like, well, it's it's pretty fucking good like is it okay for it to be pretty fucking good can we just I, you know I guess you read it? do you read like ain't it cool news and stuff no but I, I'll see it on like io9 okay I also or don't read that I mean I like I feel like my my sort of general like yeah, collaborative culture consumption is mostly video game related uh huh at this point, like, I don't really... Well, and whatever they talk about on Metafilter. Like, so every once in a while, there'll be people talking about a movie. But mostly, it's just rape and obesity. And circumcision. In my in my Metafilter, most of the threats are just arguments about rape and obesity. Hmm. Um, which, I mean, you really have no choice. Rape is everywhere, so your only defense against it is to become so obese as to be physically unrapeable. Did you just imply that you can choose how fat you are uh yeah sorry we welcome your letters um yeah i i liked how my my assertion that maybe it was wrong to bit torrent a movie instead of paying to see it at the theater generated a lot more vitriol than your assertion that all people who masturbate to child porn should be immediately executed <laughs> right because it's not that there aren't a couple people talking about it, but it's like, huh. That's... Well, like, there are 
several hundred people playing our game who regularly pirate stuff, and I'm, I'll bet there's maybe one, if that, who is jacking off to child porn. You think? I hope so. See, I would have said there are probably tens of thousands who pirate stuff and dozens who jack off to child porn. But, uh, I, you know, I we are both mind, just if, if you making jack shit off up. to child porn, I, I hope that somebody kills you. Hmm. I don't want it to be me. Although, you know, we got to talking on uh, on Advice Hot Dog, and I was like, you know what? I had this moment where we ran into some people with uh, some, like, swastikas tattooed on them, and I kind of felt like I would be totally justified in just killing them. Yeah. Because that level of uh, loathing that welled up inside me was just totally overpowering. Um I had a very you know what I would like to have welling up inside of me is a is a delicious beer, and so I think I might go get one. All right, when we get back, I'll tell you a story about uh, a strip club. All right. We'll be back in, uh, I don't know, you want uh, about 14 minutes? Sure. And we're back, maybe. Jake, are we back? Boom. Jake is running. He's running across hey. the room. He's Oh, there we go. Hey, man. Sorry, Sorry I tried to that. give you a two-minute warning, but it was a one-minute warning. Uh, I was out of the room anyway. And by the time I finished typing it, it was a 45-second warning. And by the time oh. I hit enter, it was a five-second rule. And when they came for the whale oil salesman, I didn't say anything. You didn't buy his whale oil beef hooked? <laughs> no, I did not. Ah... Uh... So, you said that you were going to tell me a story <laughs> about a strip club. Tell me a story about a strip club, Mr. Skullhead. Okay, so the first strip club that I went to was a place called Playmates Cabaret in Phoenix. And uh, it's not there anymore, sadly. The last time we went there, it was uh, gone. Just kind of an empty building. Not an empty lot, which would have been weirder. It's like as if it almost was never there to begin with. But, uh... <clears throat> it, uh so there was a super hot woman in a like a schoolgirl outfit that came out to start dancing is like the second pair of boobies that I had seen all night and as like a 19 or 20 year old this was the best thing ever and you know like red hair schoolgirl outfit super sexy she's stripping she's stripping she has fantastic boobs she's amazing looking like I am getting a lap dance from that girl and then she took off her underwear and she had a giant swastika tattooed on each hip bone <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my erection died a little that day. And that I sucks. Didn't a lap dance, and then she shouted, "Bad kitty!" and smacked herself in the pussy real hard. It's like okay, huh. uh, I'm I'm uncomfortable with this entire situation. Yeah, yeah. You had me. You had me. You had me. You lost me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> most of that night was pretty incredible, but uh, that girl. That girl had some issues. Yeah, boy. I uh, Man. Not okay. Not okay. It's just you so know, weird that there are still racists. People make dumb decisions all the time. Well, you know. I mean, it's... I guess it's... It's not weird that there are still people who are a little bit racist, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I grew up around a lot of people who are a little bit racist. Like, I'm less comfortable around... Like a black person that I don't know than a white person I don't know. 
uh, racist. Yeah, I know. I'm a little bit racist because I feel that I wouldn't. I won't know what to say to a black person. I'll have less in common with them than I would with a white guy. Yeah, and I mean, it, I think you, it also is a little weird. Like, you don't know what to talk about with a stranger, and all you're thinking about is, oh, this guy's black. So they're like, so what's it like being black in an unfriendly world? I mean, and I would feel less comfortable with like a hillbilly with a Confederate flag shirt on than I would with like a black nerd. So it, it's, I think it's more of a cultural thing. But anyway, like I understand that it, it makes sense that there are people who are still a little bit racist, but to like to still believe that there is one bloodline that is like this pure superior thing and that you can tell is really strange to that people would still believe that yeah i mean uh, it's it's strange that people you know believe that l ron hubbard wasn't just making up everything that he said <laughs> right. you, you know there's there's a lot of things that it's that it's very easy to believe but just the the sort of like institutionalized just despicability is is so so off-putting to me i mean it's uh, yeah i don't know i mean you know probably a lot of people that i grew up around if i got a few drinks in them and really started talking about it i would i would discover some pretty horrible things leveled at some people for no good reasons yeah but uh that's one thing that is a little easier to ignore than just like, hey, let's uh, let's go out in public with a fucking swastika tattoo. Let's do that. That's what we should do. Yeah. Eh, you know. Maybe if they weren't racist, they would just be doing something else. Like, they would come up with some other way to get people to hate them because that's what they want. Right? Like, what, they, what they want is for... What they want is to feel important because they want to feel important enough for somebody to start shit with them. Huh. And so if if nobody will do that, then they don't feel like they're real. And so they need I mean, I've definitely been around people who thrive on conflict in a really in a really real way. Fuck you know? no, you haven't. <laughs> and, and and it's you know, if, if that gets so pathological that you just have to start, I mean, because like, was was Charles Manson a white supremacist? I don't know if he was or if he just enjoyed shocking people. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe he just put a swastika on his head to piss people off. Yeah. You no, know, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, like you get like persecution is kind of comforting, right? I guess to a certain kind of person because at least you. You you come to know what to expect, right? From people, it takes all the uncertainty out of the equation. Well, like of course, of course, this person hates me. Now I don't have to worry about what they think of me. Yeah, uh, when you say persecution, I think of the evangelical Christian attitude, which is like, here is a group of people who are basically in charge of everything, and who are constantly complaining about being persecuted. Like, you can't be president unless you say you're a Christian and can kind of prove it. And yet, the whole world is ganging up on us and, and nobody tolerates us and our viewpoints are being censored. Like, yeah. But that's the thing. Like, that, that, that makes them feel... That makes them band together and be stronger. 
Like imaginary yeah, I mean, imaginary persecution does the same job that real persecution does in rallying troops. I mean, I think that you know this isn't this isn't a thing that we probably like to admit, but the world is pretty good, and it's hard to find adversity. Like you have yeah. to look pretty hard to find any serious adversity to to rally around, and uh, y- you know. Maybe maybe you you start making some up. Hmm. We all have Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Well, if we had it by proxy, we would be persecuting other people and secretly, so that we would look better for treating them nicely. Pouring pine salt into their soup to keep them sick. Well, like Munchausen by proxy could be like stealing everything from somebody so that they're homeless, and then giving them a dollar every time you see them. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's totally why I drove my car, or I drove my truck through Galen's apartment. Um, that's, uh, that, that totally wasn't me, by the way. I don't... Uh, the champion says, Bugbear Invasion is a pretty cool path so far, despite it following Age of Boris, or maybe, per, uh, or maybe perhaps because I mentally chalk up all extra turns as being rusty, even if it's clearly stuff for this path alone. I'm curious about the replacement of the tower. Was the path partly meant as some sort of way to get more of an idea of how you could handle the level 13 quest revamp? Not really. Uh, I don't. Wasn't there, I don't think that we could get away with putting in something that was this long. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I do it, think though that part of wasn't part of our goal to see what happened if we didn't yeah. have a tower. Yeah, I mean, it, it like we wanted to know uh, like what does not having to do the tower actually do to like what people pull, how many turns. So, so basically, what we what I think we can get out of this is some data. We see how much longer these runs are than runs by you know the faster runs here. We see how long they are relative to faster runs, just un, under normal no path rules. Right. And then by figuring out how many turns this took, we can kind of tell how many turns out of a given run are spent preparing for the existing sorceress tower. And how many pulls are spent getting things for the Sorceress Tower. And that'll give us a better idea of what we need to replace it with to maintain a more or less even keel, I guess. Um, because we, you know, we realized in talking about this, like, all right, we need to do something that is going to take longer than the Sorceress Tower. Okay, how long does the Sorceress Tower take? And none of us had a fucking clue. Yeah. Like what? Like what? Even what is the order of magnitude of the number of turns that you spend in a given fast run that are owed to the nature of the naughty sorcerer's quest? Right? We just didn't have any idea. So, I mean, yeah, you know, we're not going to replace the sorcerer's tower with something that is like I don't want to say onerous, but but I do want to say like this was designed to take a bunch of turns because that was. The the goal with this was like like I said in the in the sort of foreshadowing show we're trying the sort of last it's not the last but it's there <clears throat> there are only a few ways to go about this is probably selling us short but in my mind there are only a few fundamental ways to go about a challenge path right like you either it's a normal run with some kind of restriction it is a run with a lot of restrictions, but you're a different thing. Uh, and then what we hadn't tried was the run where you are you, but you 
the world is different. Right. Um, Fortunately, those are really, really broad categories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not even. I'm not even a little bit worried. Like the fact that the fact that Boris was so popular makes me really happy about future challenge paths because it was also really fun and rewarding to work on. Yeah. Right. Because it was just like, oh man, like we can just make a new class and it's awesome. And we can try out, like, we have this awesome test bed environment for, like, how do people react to this kind of skill progression? What did people enjoy about this? Like, and it's just, like, it's getting to do this, like, super rapid fire prototyping in, like, a real biting and clawing live population, you know? And yeah. it's, I don't know, that, that excites me a great deal. And I'm really glad that it worked. I'm really glad that people liked it uh, because that means that we can feel super confident about doing more of them um the 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 biggest thing left is like the you are a different person and the entire game is different all right which honestly you know like the bugbear stuff was a lot of content and we did it really quickly yeah because we like what we don't realize because we are constantly making things more and more complicated and interesting to us is that when it comes time for us to just do some like good old KOL style content, like our tools have gotten really good for that. And our workflow has gotten really good for that. And like, we can do that really fast. So, I mean, I, with every passing challenge path, the Batman thing where it's like, you've got a whole different set of skills and an entirely different set of zones and quests for the entire duration of a run seems more and more realistic as a thing that we can do in not, not a crushing amount of work, not an NS 13 or, you know, Hobopolis amount of work, but, but in a, you know, in a crimbo amount of work or in a, in a content familiar amount of work. Um, the the one the one thing that is also a little bit of a saving grace on something like that is that we have potentially a lot more control over the consumables, and so we can say, all right, well, so we want this we want this Batman path to last like five days for a fast player, and we can do that by like, oh, sorry, Batman can only eat bat Doritos, <laughs> and you can only get so many turns worth of bat Doritos a day, no matter what you do, and. And it, because this is like an out of the way thing, like I don't think that that kind of restriction is going to chafe people. I think like the people who are the most likely to get chafed by that kind of restriction are the people who would appreciate a break from the turn gen that they get now. And I, I don't know. I'm 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 really excited. Like I challenge paths have turned out to be such a cool thing that it's not it like it is no longer like. Oh, this is just another thing that's like another fucking deadline where we got to do some stuff on this fixed interval. But it is a like, man, I am excited and I can't wait to work on the next one. Hmm. Because there, it's it's just, it is a way for us to do so much stuff without having to worry about how it fits into everything else. Right. And that is, that is really liberating. Um, WBO Quinn says, one, what's your favorite invading bugbear? I like the tentacled horror and the liquid metal bugbear. What's your favorite one, Mr. Skullhead? Yeah, I was looking at the list. I uh, I like well, I like a lot of the monsters that aren't bugbears. So, I don't know if that's allowed. Is that a, is that a proper response, or do I need to? Sure, no, that's fine. 
I like the monster that is both Chewbacca and Oscar the Grouch. Quite yeah. a bit. And the arts on that looked pretty damn spiffy. Let's see, what else again? Uh, the, you did a fantastic job drawing the boss, too. God. Yeah, did you like that? I did. I felt... Called. I felt like it had a little too much white space in it. I kind of wish I had made his feet a little smaller. <laughs> I think the no. funniest picture is definitely the bat bugbear. But my favorite, my favorite writing-wise, is probably just the bugaboo for what it is and yeah. what it's called. You did good in all that. I, I, I enjoy the writing in, in all of those things in that their spaceship. Um. Yeah, two. You mentioned that this challenge path is uh, the last of the obvious basic shapes that a challenge path can take. I guess the basic shape of this one is that the player doesn't have any restrictions, just has a bunch more quests to do. So what are the basic shapes? Now that you're more than a year into designing challenge paths, have any basic archetypes or structure that you can work from jumped out? Uh, yeah, and I think I just said that. All right. All right. Uh, three, Wooly Bear has two L's, not one. Here's the world's largest. Oh, really? No. Is that true? Uh, oh, I don't know about the L's, but the, the picture is a... Uh Looks to be an alpaca lying down so you can't see its legs. Like, check out how big this woolly bear is. Yeah, no, I guess I do think that Wooly has two L's. Does Wooly have two L's? I know that Bully has two L's. And since they're so frequently found together. Yeah, Wooly in the dictionary has two L's. Yeah, wow, thanks. Sorry about that. Uh, And I did it consistently, at least. There were two L's in both, uh, both three of them. Nope, four. Jesus Christ. How many times do I use the name of this thing in its description? Ah, uh, okay. Thanks, WVO Quine. WVO Quine. <coughs> Cincinnati. I don't know. WVO Quine sounds like a. Uh, if Quine were a letter in our alphabet, it would be a radio call sign. Yeah, I think w- I believe that what we had was uh, W N O I Flora. Oh. We had K S ninety five. Yeah, K S ninety five. Yeah, I mean it had fuller call signs than that, but yeah. In uh, in Prescott. Yep. Mm. And cool. I, I only listened to K S L X. When I was at Prescott, uh, the acolyte says, "Lack of comprehension on my part, Jake. But thank you for considering a new pirate. My question was meant to be brief and poignant, rather than brusque. Since it strikes me that everybody that's ever dipped their littlest toe into the astral gash would view a fuckle turn limiter to be positive. Uh, I realize content suggestions, especially those identified with the competitive dick stabbing players, must be water off a duck's back for you, given the non-developing player base's enthusiasm for the game. And so, to segue my question, if I haven't repeatedly been bludgeoned to death, how in general do you receive such suggestions? Uh, E.g., make a KOL or the inspirations of the typical daily Imagineers. To paraphrase either Riff or Hot Stuff, who mentioned in the show of the 17th the majority of voiced opinions are well intentioned to what degree uh, to what degree do you feel obligated indebted or interested in what the fans of your work think well i mean i somebody asked on the last video games hot dog why we like video games like they just asked us to articulate to try to articulate why we like video games and the 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 most sort of fundamental thing that I could come up with is because it is one of the only art forms in which there is a there is a real back and forth between the person experiencing it and the person who created it. And 
in this case, it is even more pronounced because it is an evolving work in progress and because we talk back and forth all the time like this. Um, and, and so there's a difference. I think when a lot of people, when a lot of people imagine what listening to the player base is, they, they probably think, ah, you should totally put a duck with a huge dick in the game because it's funny duck spiral dick (laughs) thing. And that's not really it, right? Like that's, we, we generally don't, we shy away from like whole cloth content suggestions but when when somebody identifies you know what'll happen a lot of the time is you know when we're working on stuff we get ideas from everything that we see and everything that we read and some of the stuff that we read is stuff that players have said and like the players are pretty good the players are pretty good at identifying where something is missing they are not always as good at identifying what should go there so it, it is a it is a it is a sort of a critical feedback loop and a more complicated feedback loop than you would imagine. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, our, our job is to give you what you need, not what you want, right? And it is it is a lot easier to articulate dissatisfaction than to solve dissatisfaction. Yeah. Um. I mean, and especially because people in general don't want to be presumptuous, right? Which, like, basic human decency is something that we've got going for us in our discourse with the player base uh, most of the time. Right. Every once in a while, I'm 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 pretty indecent. Uh, we can make an indecent proposal joke. That's true. Exposure. Indecent. Uh, Ethereal Oblivion says, with the PvP revamp and the importance of plus PvP fights, will we see an equivalent to the non-tradable fingerless tinsel gloves accessory from Hobelf Crimbo anytime soon? Uh, probably not. Uh, but let me see. What what are those uh, fingerless tinsel Five. Oh, wow. No, you can only wear one. Um, uh, what do we got for plus PvP fights on accessories? Let me whip out this... Uh, this tool, this tool, boy, it just keeps getting uh, it keeps getting more and more useful. And accessories with plus PvP vibes per day, sort by enchant value. Uh, I mean, I think the replacement for that is the offensive mustache that you can buy with Swagger, because that's better in the same slot. Um, I guess since you can only wear one of those, the the absolute best thing right now is to wear in your uh, accessory slots the mustache, those gloves, and then Zombo's ring, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but I can see what you mean, uh, because the next thing after that is three worse than that. So it's possible. What What I imagined that I would do if I were still looking at this screen and thinking about it the next time I was making a clan dungeon is I would probably put in another accessory that was plus four fights per day so that you couldn't get quite up to the level that you could with that thing, but you could get closer than you can now uh, as somebody who wasn't around for that. But yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm surprised at what this looks like. So I, we, uh, I had, uh, I had CD Moyer, uh, 
expand the functionality of enchantments on items so that we could take a lot of the stuff that was like there were a lot of things that were hard coded because like item of the month gear for instance that needed to have like five or six enchantments on it mm. that since there weren't five or six enchantments I don't actually know if anything has six um, but I've been going through and taking a lot of stuff that's hard coded and having it work in normal systems now which means that it shows up on our on our reporting and things uh, the problem with something that was hard-coded to give you plus 30% moxie in addition to doing a bunch of other stuff is when we ran the report that's like, all right, show me everything that's plus percent moxie, that wouldn't show up um, because it wasn't in the database as a plus moxie thing. Um, and now it is. And, boy, there's a lot of weird, crazy hard-coded shit. And even the extremely flexible system that I had CD Moyer develop, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be flexible enough to do the things that I need to do with it in some cases. Um, the three says have you ever thought about a Pokemon-esque path where you couldn't directly deal damage to enemies with attacks or skills or items and had to depend on attack familiars you could do it using the existing familiar menagerie and have the skills for the new pseudo class influence or enhance their damage dealing capacities or maybe more interestingly you start out with an empty terrarium and have to tame some new path dedicated attack familiars distributed through various zones by encountering them in combat um I like that idea uh but I I kind of think of that as more of a like boss fight trick that we haven't done yet than a path. I think I think that it would be hard to make that fun the number of times you'd have to do it in a row to ascend. Yeah. Because it it's pretty passive at that point. Right? I mean and and I just I don't know that like sitting there watching something else do your fighting for you is it, it, it seems kind of fundamentally different than like, oh, well, this is a path where you can only deal damage to things using combat items. Well, I mean, that's got its own problems, but like, at least you're doing something. At least you're making choices during the fight, which, mm. if all you're doing is picking which familiar to take in there with you, I mean, uh, I, you know, we could make it fun, but what we run into in, in some of our, like, failed thinking about challenge paths is, hey, let's take away a bunch of stuff and then give everybody a different version of it. And wait, this is kind of dumb and yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense, so let's figure something else out. What is it, the saw off the player's legs, then put them on stilts? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Philmaster Plus says, Word Realms, what kind of game is it? Combat aside, is it going to be a KOL-esque RPG? How much freedom do players have in the realm? Do we have KOL-like features, equipment, familiars, and mechanics, plus item drops, semi-rares, etc.? What kind of mechanic, or what kind of player, E-A-S-K, do you expect would enjoy it? Are you considering allowing people to make mods? Uh, mods, no. Um, in the eventual MMO, the idea is for the, for the actual, like, client-server interaction to be extremely open, um, so, yes, uh, on that, but not in the single-player version. It is, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's single-player. It's, it's got some definite influences from KOL. There are definitely a lot of, like, things for you to put on and a lot of systems to interact with. Um, there are, no familiars. Yeah, no familiars. Um, I expect that, uh, I mean, with no, with no PvP, it's not really a thing for K at all. Uh, and with it being a single-player game, it's not really a super socializing thing. So Explorer Achiever is definitely like... I mean, and it's it's also like that's that's what I am. So 
thing that I'm driving is pretty much going to appeal to people in that order. Okay. The Explorer, Achiever, Socializer, Killer. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I think if you like KOL and you don't hate word games, that you will like this. And, you know, I hope that, uh, I hope we get to, I hope we get to really drive forward on it because it's, it's been rough. You know, this has taken a lot longer and cost a lot more than it was supposed to. And I'd like to say that we've learned a lot, but I don't know that we have. Uh, I, I feel like I, uh, I have learned that I'm not good at managing people. And I don't know that I'm going to get good at that ever. I think that you're good at managing people in that you're good at dividing up tasks and delegating them. I don't think you're good at bossing people. Like, if somebody's not doing what you want them to do, your impulse is more to shut down and do it yourself and get frustrated with the person but not address it. Yeah, and then bottle it up and and have big blow-ups all the time. Yeah, I mean... Like, I think you're a good manager and I think you're a, a, a bad boss. That's all. Yeah, no, I think I guess I guess that's a I guess that is that's probably not a, I would that's not a horrible thing to say, right? No, no, no. I mean, I, like I, I, like that's one thing. One thing that I am maybe not as happy about in the development of Asymmetric as a company is that there's a fucking company that I'm the boss of because right. that is sure as shit not a thing that I was ever interested in at all. Um, I, you know, I mean, and if everybody that worked with you just was able to self-direct and do what you wanted them to then it wouldn't be a thing right yeah but it's but it's absurd to expect people to to do that right i mean it's i i i cannot legitimately i mean i'm the boss and i make more money and i can't you know, and I get to make all the decisions, right? So there's never, I never have to do anything that I don't want to do. That's not true. I constantly have to do things that I don't want to do, right. but not on the not on the same, like, I never have to do things that I don't want to do because of a guy with a face yelling at me and saying that I have to do them, right? right? And I can't expect people, I, you know, like, if if everybody that worked for me was as self-motivated and and driven as me, they would probably not be working for me, and I and I certainly can't expect people to put in the hours that I put in, and you know even those are not crazy. So it's there, uh, you know, li- lifestyle company, and it's it's hard. the The thing that has been the the problem in the development of Word Realms is that I can't do a lot of the work myself, and so it's that that my two tendencies one which is to just avoid it and the other is just to buckle down and do it myself if i'm dissatisfied with the progress i'm left with only the the horrible one right i mean you know it's easier for me but it's uh it is not good for making there be more video games in the world than there were before i mean i had a similar problem that i had to overcome with the comic book stuff in that I wrote my script the first time he returned the artist returned something that was substantially different from what I was thinking like in a way that I didn't like it it was really difficult to say okay no this is wrong and this is exactly why and even though this is something you spent a lot of time on you need to do it again yeah 
like that was super hard to do and it, I just had a page in issue two where it was like he's done this page a couple of times now and he's just not getting what I want and I can't just sit down and draw it yeah so we just had to keep communicating and fortunately he's been you know he's never said fuck you I'm an artist when I tell him that I would like something done differently yeah and I mean you know those things those pictures still exist right right I mean and so are and are of potential interest to to somebody and it's people do have to you you can't you can't be precious about your stuff right like you if you're making stuff to be consumed by other people and especially if you're making stuff under the direction of somebody else you know you you have to be willing to to throw stuff away you have to be willing to to iterate and it's like not even admitting that you've made mistakes but just admitting that not everything you do is just solid gold on the first try right, right. and and it's like it's a thing that feels very obvious but it does not it does not feel right when you encounter it yeah the first time or the second time or the hundredth time right i mean it's a it's a it is it is a hard lesson to learn um and yeah, uh, yeah you know i keep i keep doing that with kingdom too like well why was this not implemented in the manner in which i wrote it and the answer is always because it doesn't work in the manner in which you wrote it. And I, you know, the the ego is hard to get past. It is. Yeah, I mean, and it, you know, it's 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 all well and good for me to say this when I'm the person that probably has to deal with that the least. Although I probably take that I I probably take that kind of criticism from the player base harder than anybody yeah, I was else say, does. Your boss is the entire player base. Yeah. You hear that, uh, guys? Next time that you're upset with us for something, you can say I am your boss. I pay your salary. Yeah. I pay that my works, taxes. That works super good when you do it to the cops. <laughs> uh, Blister Guy says, Many things have happened in the last few months, which is so awesome. There are still things left to do in the kingdom from your point of view, though. Could you tell us where uh, you're up to on any of the following things? Uh, the first one. Level 8 quest revamp. Something seems to be holding this up. Uh, yeah, it, me is the thing that's holding that up. I'm still... I have yet to erase the flowchart that is on my uh, on my whiteboard in my office, but there is always something that is more pressing to work on than it, um, and that that isn't an excuse, right? Because I mean, I could have worked on it today instead of doing the trivial stuff, but I we tend to go in these like crunch and. Crunch and glide cycles. Crunch and, and a, coast. Crunch and a coast. lot of a lot of good stuff gets done during the coasts, and so it's hard. It's hard for me to say that those are not worth doing. Also, because it's like you know, every once in a while, when I honestly don't work for an entire weekend, I come back on Monday and I think, right, this is why people take weekends off because I get three days worth of shit done in a day. Um, but that not, that didn't happen today. Today I woke up late and then I went to the doctor and then I came home early to do a podcast, but I still, you know, got some stuff done and the people were like, Hey, thanks man. But they're all, they're all minor things. Uh, so yeah, that, the, the thing that is holding that up is just me not finishing it. It's, it is basically in place. Um, uh, it's not, quite testable yet that's that is the thing that often 
lights the final fire under my ass is getting it to where it's like, all right, dev, this is playable from beginning to end now. Let me know what's up. And then there start being these externally imposed lists of like, all right, this is where there's some missing art. This is where there's some placeholder text. This doesn't, this isn't fun. Yeah, shout out it's to Gamelli, by the way, when we talk, oh, about, yeah, absolutely. When we talk about lists. Gamelli makes these lists <laughs> that just become these like roadmaps on the uh, on the on the last leg of everything. A little nine quest revamp. You've had some sweet ideas about caulking nuts, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. Uh, but it, I haven't gotten to the point where I've even started on that yet. Uh, Ferns Rally's basement. Riff was doing this. Yeah, I thought it was basically done, but for the coding. Yeah, that one's got. Uh, Got C.D. Moyer. C.D. Moyer is held up on the Fernsworthy stuff in the same way that I'm held up on the on the McLarge huge stuff to where it's like, ah, there's always something that would make people happy that I would rather work on than that right now. Yeah. Uh, the C, still getting distracted counting sea monkeys on conference calls. Yes. Uh, setting fire to the shore. Seems like something you've wanted to do for a long time. I don't have a good idea for what to put there instead, though. I mean, it still needs to be the shore. Right. Uh, and I just don't I don't know what to do about that. Uh, oh, and the next world event? Is it even a thing? Yeah, I got a, I got a plan, sort of. I got an idea. <laughs> got a ghost of an idea. Setting fire to the naughty sorceress tower. What happens to our telescopes? Uh, the telescope will figure out a way to deal with that. Um, and awesome Elmo says, Hi, Jake. Not sure when the radio show starts because I'm in Australia. I hope this isn't too late. Well, if you're in Australia, you have a moral imperative to pirate the radio show because it's, I don't know, region locked or they add too many advertisements to it or something. So you it must pro- really suck to be in oh. Australia. You, pro- you proved my point, though. Because you don't have any culture of your own. Yeah. So you have to rely on American culture, but it's like we ship it there six months late and twice as expensive. So I'm just kidding. You probably have some culture. The way that you prove my point, as you say, is that we don't do any of those things to our podcast, so nobody has to circumvent any of that bullshit. Yeah. Our, our podcasts also make us negative a few hundred dollars a month. Exactly. Wait. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's... I, that's, you know, when I think about the future, when I think about like, you know, if KOL eventually just falters and we have to go back to, we have to go back to just doing something else, it makes me sad that we won't be able to really do these podcasts anymore. Hmm. Unless we figure out a way to like even make them pay for themselves hosting wise. I guess I could probably get somebody, I could find some kind hearted former fan to donate some bandwidth for me. Please, sir. Can I say things that piss everybody off? Um, yeah. When I see, Rab Scuttle says, when I see discussions on how new players might be confused by what to do for quests, I rarely see fortune cookies brought up. They contain quest hints, but maybe they're too hidden for people to notice. Uh, on that note, have you considered adding some kind of fortune teller? At the very least, I could reputa- replicate the behavior of smashing fortune cookies, where you get the fortune but not the lucky numbers. But I'm thinking you'd also want to let the player ask specific questions. Plus, there's the opportunity to add more stuff. Yeah, I mean... I often said that fortune cookies were the thing to teach people stuff, but that was never a very good answer to that. Um, and, I mean, the, the answer, I, I am fairly confident in my belief of this, is to do what I've been doing with the quests, where the way to tell people what to do on the quests is to explicitly signpost them to the simple long way of doing the quest. 
Right. And then let the let the confusing stuff be confusing stuff that you can find if you want. Um, and I just need to, I just need to do that. You know, I need I need to I need to finish doing that with the mainline quests so that I can start doing it to everything else. And I mean that that I, I think from a, just a general like experiential point of view for new players, that is absolutely what I should be focusing on. Right. But. It's not clear that the new player experience is what any nine-year-old MMO should ever be focusing on, mm. right? It's not. It's it's very tempting to do that kind of thing in the life cycle of a game like this, but it is not necessarily the healthiest thing to do. And so, I, I think striking a balance between doing, you know, you know, stuff like PvP that where like established people who maybe didn't care about a thing maybe start caring about a thing. Um. Yeah, you know, that's the hardest thing about about like operating independently is like you have to figure out what the fuck to do every day. Yeah, it's hard. It's like it's like stressful. Sometimes I'm like, man, I should go become a janitor so that somebody will just be like, just tell me where the puke is, and then I'll know exactly what I have to do. But then I think, no, that would fucking suck, and my life rules. Yeah, well, like when I was. At home with Ollie before he started preschool, I found myself going, God, I wish I would just get up and put on clothes and go to an office and stay there for eight hours and then come home. And of course I don't. What I want is, like, the ability to work on Kingdom for maybe six hours a day and then work on my house for a couple of hours a day and never have to go into an office. Like, naturally. the, The grass is always greener. The Jessica, yeah, it is. The Jessica is always Gruner. That's true. The uh, pun is always Groner. Uh, Are we done? The math is always graining her. <laughs> uh, the graining and spaining stays mainly on the planing. Uh, but yeah, I think we're done. We've got Riboflavin up next, so please stick around for that, unless you're listening to the podcast version, in which case what's coming up next is whatever's on your iPod. I hope it's Judas Priest. Uh, good night, everyone. Good night, everybody.